0: Good morning. I'm Matt Hoffman in for Annika Colbert. It's Monday, March 21st. Voting starts in the 80th Assembly District. More on that next, but first let's get to the headlines. Today marks the second anniversary of Title 42. It allows CBP agents at ports of entry to turn asylum seekers away in the name of public health. The San Diego Immigrant Rights Consortium is marking the anniversary by participating in a National Day of Action. They're calling for an end to the use of Title 42 to exclude asylum seekers and others seeking humanitarian protection. Federal and international law gives anyone the right to request asylum, and prior to Title 42, asylum decisions were issued by a judge who reviewed evidence. Spring training games are officially underway for the San Diego Padres. Play started on Friday, and this afternoon, the Friars are set to face the Colorado Rockies in Peoria, Arizona. After bargaining delays that included a three-month lockout, the Padres are now opening their regular season on the road against the Diamondbacks. That's on April 7th. Their home opener is set for April 14th. Drought conditions across California are getting worse, but the situation in San Diego is better than other areas of the state. Last week, California officials announced plans to reduce water allocations from 15 percent of the amount requested to just five percent. They say that's due to the ongoing drought, but in San Diego, the County Water Authority says our region's water supply should remain stable. They say that's for this year and well into the future. The Water Authority points out that we use very little water, from the Bay Delta, due to investments made in our infrastructure over the last few years. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news that you need. Hey,
1: hey, hey. This is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation – And that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to KPBS.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can. All right? Thanks.
0: Early voting is underway for a special election in the 80th Assembly District. It covers the southern part of San Diego, Chula Vista, and National City. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer says two Democrats and one Republican are in the race, and they all have different visions for the future of San Diego's South Bay.
2: The Assembly District 80 seat opened up in January when Lorena Gonzalez resigned to take a job with the California Labor Federation. Three candidates are in the race. Democrats David Alvarez and Georgette Gomez, and Republican Lincoln Picard. Gonzalez has endorsed Gomez.
3: I am proud to to have the support of former Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez, somebody that did a lot in, in behalf of our district.
2: For Gomez, this is a return to politics. She was president of the San Diego City Council and ran an unsuccessful campaign for Congress in 2020. During that run, she was criticized for not reporting $100,000 of income on her tax returns. And that criticism is being made again in this election.
3: There wasn't me trying to do a roundaround on taxes. It was literally a mistake, an unintentional mistake, but I fixed it right away.
2: But she says that the current anti Gomez mailers are being pushed by oil, tow truck, and insurance companies funding one of her opponents, David Alvarez. She says that's because some of the key points from her platform focus on the climate crisis as well as affordable housing and income inequality.
3: On advancing solutions to to improve our transit system, to continue bringing more affordable housing, even as uh, someone that is in the private sector now. Um, So to me, that's where my commitment and what I'm grounded on, and that's never gonna change no matter where I'm at.
2: Campaign finance records show Alvarez has received donations from those special interests That Gomez mentions, among others. He says Gomez is being supported by Sacramento politicians who don't want things to change. In a written statement, he told KPBS, they are doing this because they know they can control her, that if she is elected, nothing will change. By contrast, I have run a 100% positive campaign based on the issues. Like Gomez, Alvarez is a Democrat, a former San Diego City Council member, and a native of Barrio Logan. People feel like Sacramento often forgets them, and they want to make sure that education's a priority, that higher education's a priority, that crime gets addressed, as our South Bay communities and San Diego have seen an increase in crime over the last year. Lincoln Picard is the third candidate in the race, a Republican running in a heavily Democratic district. If the odds are against me. The smart money will be on one of the other candidates, because there's such a disparity in the amount. The demographics are totally different in our district. His platform focuses on the cost of living and running a company in California, along with education and water management, among other issues. We to take a lot of voters out there that are sick and tired of the Democratic rules and regulations, which are driving so many businesses out of our state, which means they're taking jobs with them. The special election is only to fill out the remainder of Lorena Gonzalez's term. If one candidate gets 50% plus one of the vote, they'll win the seat outright. But if no one does, There will be a runoff on June 7th, the same day as a regular election for the next term, which begins in December, and covers a redrawn District 80, thanks to the last census. The same three candidates are running in that race too. Here's a last word from each on the issues that matter to them, starting with David Alvarez education, crime on the rise, homelessness issues. They matter to the the people in both the old district and the new district. So we're talking about the same issues. We're having those conversations and it just means that in June we'll have to find a way to talk to more people. Georgette Gomez.
3: At the end of the day, it's about building healthy communities, Uh, making sure that there's housing that is affordable, making sure that people have clean air, uh, making sure that there are better jobs and our education system is robust
2: and Lincoln Picard. But if you care about gas taxes and you care about school choice, you care about the Second Amendment, you care about some of these real important values that that make America what it is, I ask for your vote. Early voting is underway now and runs through April 4th, or voters can go to the polls on April 5th. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News.
0: Today is the last day to register to vote by mail for this election. Those who don't and still want to cast their ballots will have to show up in person at the registrar's office or go to a voting center. The San Diego Rapid Response Network says more Ukrainians and Russians are seeking refuge through San Isidro. The local organization works to shelter immigrants and help them connect with family or friends in the U.S. Kate Clark with Jewish Family Services says the numbers are climbing as the war intensifies.
4: We've confronted many instances where guests from Russia and Ukraine have been in our care while learning that loved ones who stayed behind were killed or injured as a result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We anticipate the increased number of Eastern Europeans coming through our shelter will continue.
0: While Ukrainians and Russians are certainly grabbing headlines, they only make up about 15 percent of the refugees that the network helps. Clark says there are tens of thousands fleeing violence from around the world that deserve to have their cases heard. Today, the United Food and Commercial Workers Union is beginning its strike authorization vote for workers at Ralph's, Vaughn's, and Albertson's grocery stores. KPBS reporter Thomas Fudge has more on bargaining that so far has failed to reach an agreement.
5: Negotiations between the union and the stores broke off on Sunday, March 6th. The union called the company's offer of a wage increase to be well below workers' cost of living needs. Ralph's, whose parent company is Kroger, said their average hourly wage is just under $19 an hour, and that rises to $25 when you add in health and pension benefits. The contract proposed by the grocery stores offers an additional $0.60 an hour every year, or $1.80 an hour over the life of the contract. The leader of Union Local 135 in San Diego says inflation has become a great hardship for grocery workers, And he says as the state minimum wage goes up, some union workers will soon be earning no more than that. By this time next week, we should know whether grocery workers have chosen to go on strike. Thomas Fudge, KPBS News.
0: Coming up, we're concluding our series on COVID shutdowns and the performing arts with a look at live music and local music venues. We'll have that story just ahead after the break.
1: All right, thanks.
0: Today, we're wrapping up our series on the second anniversary of COVID-19 shutdowns and event cancellations and the impact these past two years have had on the performing arts sector. We've covered classical performances, the theater, and today, live music and local music venues. Two years ago this month, San Diego's vibrant live music industry screeched to a halt. Venues were shuttered, and bands could no longer tour or even really practice together. Since reopening last summer, venues, performers, and staff have had to juggle evolving restrictions and more cancellations. KPBS producers Emlyn Mohebi and Julia Dixon-Evans gathered stories from people in the live music scene, including security, a performer, and a venue owner.
6: Angie Allman is co-owner of City Heights music venue Soda Bar. It's a 21 and up venue on the more intimate side with a capacity of 230 people, and the space is only open when they have a show. So in March of 2020, when shows were canceled, revenue dried up. We checked in with her about the ongoing effect of the pandemic. So Angie, how did the loss of shows and this changing landscape impact your business the last two years?
7: it's been really challenging. And it's been interesting just the way the challenges have shifted over this time. Obviously being fully closed was primarily just a financial challenge, making ends meet while we had nothing coming in to support us. And now that we're reopened, it's a whole new wave of challenges as things are sort of constantly shifting and we're ever adjusting to changing health guidelines and all the disruptions. But you know, steadily improving now. But yeah, it's just required so much flexibility and creativity.
6: And Soda Bar was one of the first venues in San Diego to require that proof of COVID vaccination or a negative COVID test to enter. This was last year. And how did the patrons react to this? Do you feel like it shied people away or was it more like they were happy about the enforcement?
7: the vast majority were happy. We got a lot of people thanking us for it. Of course, as everyone knows, there were definitely people that were unhappy about it. And unfortunately, those people tended to be the most vocal. And in the early days, our staff really took some heat for it, which was really hard and felt very unfair to them. So that was tough. And we were so early to do it that, you know, we didn't have a lot to um, look to for Guidance for how to best implement it and what to do in the beginning, so we really felt like we were winging it, um, and that was that was definitely hard. It really helped once that became sort of an industry standard, and people just got used to it because it was happening at every venue around. Um, that made it much easier.
6: What has changed in recent months? Has there been a sense of it being back to normal as Omicron case rates drop, or does it still feel like the public is taking a while to get back out there to see live music?
7: I think we are finally hitting a point where it's starting to feel uh, like it's getting back to normal. Bands are hitting the road at near pre-pandemic levels, which is great. And our shows have been busy and the mood feels good and fun. Um, I think there's been a real shift in the last couple of weeks that has felt great. Obviously, Omicron was a real curveball. And so that really derailed what was sort of ramping up going into December and that we had a lot of cancellations and that really slowed things down a lot. And we feel like we've really sort of turned a corner from that and it feels great. It's really been a welcome change uh, to feel the clouds parting and some bit of normalcy.
6: For front-of-the-house workers like bouncers, security, and door staff, the last two years have meant constant changes and new job requirements.
8: My name is Ted Washington. I work security and also production manager at the Casbah in San Diego. When the pandemic hit and we had to shut down, I can say right off the bat that in the very beginning, there was no work. We had nothing to do. We then went on to put together some streaming shows, which were great for the bands because bands were looking to do things, especially the local bands. And, you know, as a musician, you want to play and that's what you want to do. The hardest part of reopening so far has been trying to find the routine for the customers when they come to the door. The idea that they have to have their vaccination proof with them or a negative test. We have to make that clear before they get to the door, because if you don't make that clear and known before they actually get to the door, when they get to the door, there's always going to be a problem because they're going to say, I didn't know I needed to have that. I don't have that with me. I have a ticket, yet I don't have those items. This isn't right. And not so much that I feel bad about it, as much as you just feel like, if only we could get this information into their hands or into their minds earlier before they actually show up at the door. The rules, I'll say, kept changing so much that you just didn't know what you were doing from week to week, day to day. It became really of an issue. Like I'm saying, communication is the hardest part of the whole thing. And so the state was not really communicating with the venues exactly what we were mandated to do. And um, it made it difficult, especially in the very beginning. When we first opened up, you're like, okay, here are the rules. You got to do this. You got to do that. You must do this. You must do that. And you didn't know what you were trying to tell people to do because you didn't know what you had to tell people to do. That was the hardest part. The thing is with bands, especially touring acts, if they lose a member or someone gets sick while they're on tour, they're going to lose money. The touring process it requires a certain investment of money in the beginning, especially investment of money and time. So just you carve carving out a calendar for yourself and you gotta make this tour. You can't have people getting sick. So for the bands, the bands want as many of the safeguards as they can possibly have. On the other side of that, the fans are thinking, hey, look, I am a fan and I'm not gonna try to endanger you. I wanna just come see the show. And I don't know why you need all these excessive safeguards when they don't see it from the side that the band is looking at it.
6: For some performers, when things began to reopen, some of the new challenges were surprising. Singer-songwriter Julianna Zacharyu lives in San Diego, but spoke to us while on the road on tour.
4: Everything shut down while I was on my first ever tour booked myself. and It was uh, going great, and I just remember I had heard about stuff in like December, and then we were off on the road in March, and I was following the news, and one of those things where I was like, ah, like maybe it won't quite hit us. I just remember like not being able to get hand sanitizer on the road. And that that seemed to be the only thing that we were trying to keep on us so that we didn't get sick. And then everything just kind of stopped and we came home and I didn't work again for like a year and a half. But an interesting thing that me and a lot of other people are experiencing getting back on the road because I'm on the road now. And I had another tour back in October, I think it was, is uh I, (laughs) my nervous system really needed a recalibration after a year and a half of being at home. I didn't know how to handle stage nerves. I didn't remember how to eat when I felt nervous. Like, I have to schedule these things in so that I have energy. And my first big show back was in L.A. and I played an opening set and I played in my friend Caroline Kingsbury's band and I had to take a break on stage for my set, and I've never had to do that. I just kind of told everybody, you know, I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. I'm just going to need to, like, sit and play guitar for a second and, like, calm down because I felt like, I don't know, it felt like somebody had, like, unscrewed my head, and I was just, like, a raw nerve just pumping out sound, and I didn't know how to harness it. A lot more preparation has gone into my mental health and making sure that I eat, making sure that I manage my stress, I just, like, don't have the same capacity that I used to. I've heard this kind of across the board. We're all just kind of wondering how we ever did this in the first place, this type of schedule. I mean, we have people in this band right now who are working remotely and also are able to tour. So, like, job security can also be a part of your life as a musician just because everything went remote. I don't have another job right now, but I'm confident that if I needed to do both, there'd be way more options for me, which was just not a thing before. We'd all rather be home, that's a very new thing. Just learning that stuff is better than home is something that I can't even, I'm trying to learn again. Shows are great, I think we just all forgot how great they were.
0: That's a recording of Subway Song from Juliana Zachariu's July 2021 performance at Soda Bar. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news on our website, kpbs.org. I'm Matt Hoffman. I know it's Monday, but have a good start to your week and we'll catch you tomorrow.